is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Jacqueline of SystemsForSelfCare.com, where I teach you to consistently take daily action so you can feel happier, healthier, and more confident. Today's episode, I have my good friend, Caroline Jester. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm super excited. I haven't done an interview in so long as I was kind of getting my act together in 2021, but I'm really excited to have a friend that I know from the internet and from real life and you were actually on the, up the podcast. I was looking back, episode 109 in yep. April of 2020, way back at the beginning of the pandemic when we had no idea what was happening. Um, but how are you since then? Well, it's been a roller coaster for sure. Um, back then when we talked, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast, but the gym that I worked at closed and was closed for months. So at that time, I was like right in the thick of figuring out how I was going to take care of my clients online. Um, obviously, everybody had a lot of anxiety and uncertainty, like how am I going to continue to work out and do the things I've been doing, much less take care of like the entire rest of my life. Maybe my kids are at home, like everything is mixed up. So it was definitely a good coaching experience, even though we wish it wouldn't have happened. It was, it was helpful for me, um, to learn with my clients about how we can be more flexible and how we can make things work in challenging situations. Um, about a year ago, the gyms reopened. So I have been seeing some people back in person since July of 2020, but it's still a good mix of like in-person and online. And, um, it's been fun for me also to have the freedom to kind of recreate my own like daily schedule and routines and things to make them suit me more instead of just doing like everything I was doing before. So, uh, it's been an interesting period for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think you hit some really good note or good points of like, it has been kind of a, an opportunity to like figure out, well, what are you going to do with this time? And how are you going to respond to the crazy things that life throws at you? That's been like a theme that I've been talking about a lot is like, we don't know when gyms will close or um, races. That's been a big motivating factor for a lot of people. Like without races, they don't run. So it's like, we don't know when those things will happen. This was one disaster that happened, but like it could happen at any time in a different, in a different way. Like life can be really imperfect. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that a big change that I saw with people, I I thought of this since you mentioned races, is that a lot of times our like external sources of motivation went away during COVID in one way or another. Like maybe we didn't have a race or like maybe we we just weren't out in public as much. So we thought, oh, well, like, I don't know. It doesn't matter if I like gain weight or if I don't work out or I don't take care of myself. And so I think that the people that were successful were those that could like shift their focus to something that's more internal. It's like, I'm working out because it's good for my mental health. Like I feel better when I move my body Um, or, you know, I'm trying not to (laughs) go like all in on the pantry every single day because like that doesn't make me feel good. And when people could connect to that, um, that helps them stay more motivated. And also it just makes it easier because you don't necessarily have to achieve like a certain level of success. You just have to do the things that like make you feel good. So that's been really um, interesting to watch both in my clients and in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think as I've gotten older, that that's been the shift for me too. Like before it was like all of this pressure to hit like a certain weight goal or certain time for a race. <laughs> it's like, okay, none of that matters. What am I going to do to take care of my mental health? Because oh my gosh, if you don't have that, which I think so many of us struggled because there weren't the normal things that we had. And so it's like, how, how am I going to take care of myself during this really crazy time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of times people think that, 
oh, I'll feel better if I just like relax and take it easy and like sit around. But the reality is that like your body doesn't like that and your brain is in your body as part of your body. And so when you're sitting around, not only will you like feel physically not so great, but like your creativity will suffer, your focus will suffer. And like, you won't have the energy and the motivation to do like other stuff. It just makes everything in your life more difficult. Um, Even having a really basic movement routine where you like walk for 10 minutes a day or you do some stretches, you know, if you're, if you haven't been working out, like it doesn't need to be a lot, but having that as part of your routine has been like really crucial for people, I think. Yeah. What were some of the changes that you needed to make for yourself? And then we can talk about what, like what that flexibility looked like for clients, but what did you start like implementing for yourself during the pandemic? So especially early on when gyms were closed, I found like I was in my apartment all day long and my apartment's not particularly big. Uh, in the past, I mean, I still am. I was always the type of person who liked to like go to a coffee shop to work or go to different places. So being stuck in one space was not great for me. So in terms of exercise routines, I was getting up every morning and like going for a walk. I'm lucky that I live right by a really nice park, as you know, since you yeah. walk with me there. Uh, but yes, exactly. So doing that was helpful. And I also really like to bike. Um, I typically bike to work when, when the gym is open. So when the gyms were closed every day that the weather was nice, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out for a bike ride. There'd be a time in the afternoon where I'd feel like I don't really want to do anything work-wise. Like I feel like kind of anxious and cooped up. And so when I got out and did that, it was like, it made me feel so much better. Um, that's changed of course, as the gym has come back, but I'm still trying to do like some outdoor cardio like that. Not necessarily, I'm not an endurance athlete. I don't do races or anything, but I just find like getting outside and doing that and getting moving does a lot to help me feel better every day. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so yes, you're my walking partner and also you with the biking, that is what got me started with biking too. And just that, like thinking about fitness or like movement as not just being in the gym, but like that, like, how can I just like actually be outside and in my neighborhood or in nature? That's been tremendous for mental health. Like I never had that before. Yeah, that's great. I love that I helped inspire that in you. But yeah, I mean, especially if you're if you live in a city like we do, there are a lot of opportunities to incorporate that kind of stuff in your daily life. Like you could walk to run errands potentially instead of driving. You could do, you could do the same thing with biking. Like I like bike commuting because it doesn't take it takes less time sometimes than than driving. It's an activity that I would already be doing and I just found a way to make it more active. So it's not really like it's an extra effort commitment obviously, but it's not an extra time commitment. And if you can find those types of things um, in your regular routine, just ways to get outside to do something more active instead of like driving. um, I think that's an easy switch that people can start to think about. Yeah. Or even, okay. Was it last week that we went for a walk and we stopped at the grocery store? And that was nice too. And that was something also that we started doing the pandemic was like walking to the grocery store. We have to go to the grocery store anyway. Why don't we just walk there instead of driving? Even during like really crappy Chicago winters, I was like, but if you don't go do this, there's no other opportunity that you'll actually like be outside. So that's yeah. Yeah. The winter's interesting. I've made more of a commitment over the years to stick with being outside as much as I can, because precisely what you said, if you don't make the effort to do it, what's the alternative? You're sitting inside for three months, like in the dark and the cold, like feeling miserable. So for me, like investing in high quality winter clothes <laughs> has made all the difference. And and I am not perfect this year in Chicago, we had a really brutal February where it was like either blizzarding or below zero, like the whole month. So that month was challenging, but the rest of the winter, you know, when it's in the thirties, like, I think if you can find strategies to deal with it, just keeping that continuity of, of these routines and exercise habits is so important. And it just keeps you grounded. I found. 
Definitely. I'm glad you said that. No, there was an episode I keep referring back to, and it was, I interviewed Jason Fitzgerald, who's a running coach. And I asked him this question. I was like, well, what's, you know, advice you have for runners who are getting back to running like in the spring? And he's like, don't take the winter off. And it was kind of this like, well, thanks, but also like, okay, fine. Like we can't do anything about this past winter, but like looking to the future. So I feel like that, like what you said, like having these routines now during the summer when it's easier kind of sets you up for like (laughs) the brutal winter that is ahead in six months. For sure. It's a, it's just an example of starting smaller or easier with a new task. And then that helps you continue on and when times are more challenging or maybe you don't have the same kind of resources or the weather sucks or things like that. Definitely. Yeah. So movement was big for you during the pandemic. What did it look like and what does it continue to look like with clients? Because I know like not everything is back to normal yet. You work downtown and not everyone is going back to the office yet. So what kind of changed? Yeah. So the clients that are seeing me in the gym uh, are mostly clients that I've worked with a long time. And I think that that relationship is helpful for them to stay accountable and to stay committed. And you don't necessarily have to have a trainer for that, but if you have like a workout buddy or, or walking buddy like you, a lot of times, like I have this four C system that I created to help clients become more consistent exercisers. And one of the C's is connection. Because if you have like another person, whether it's a coach or like I said, a friend, or even like if you're in a Facebook group, that's really great and really supportive, like that stuff is helpful to get people to come in. So I've noticed that that is the, the case for a lot of the clients that I'm working with. Uh, In general, I think a lot of people are still doing a mix of like home workouts, modified creative pandemic home workouts and gym workouts, which I think is great because again, it promotes flexibility and it shows people like you don't have to be perfect. Like you just have to do some stuff. Um, So yeah, I think that moving forward, it'll probably be slow for people. Some people are like totally back into whatever their pre-pandemic routine is, but I think that a lot of people's routines are going to stay kind of a little more maybe scattered. I don't know that that has kind of a negative connotation, but they're doing a lot of different stuff. And I think that's okay. Um, If you have really specific training goals, you may need to make more of a commitment to do certain things. But if your goal is just to feel better in your body, to take care of your health, to feel good mentally, like doing what you can (laughs) and just continuing to show up for yourself is the most important thing. So yeah. What are the other what are the four C's for the, Oh yeah. So the first one is, um, commitment. So you want to make a realistic commitment. So I see this a lot, like after new year's with people coming to the gym, they say, I'm going to really get it together. I'm going to come five days a week, but they haven't been working out at all. So maybe the first week or two, even they come five days a week, but they get so sore and so tired and it just falls apart. And then they think, well, I'm just not cut out for this. And then they don't do anything versus if they committed to, what can I realistically do? I could come twice a week and they do that. Then not only are they going to feel better and they're not going to be so beat up, but they're building a show of evidence that they can follow through on their commitments, which is motivating. And then they're more uh, able to take on more in the future. Um, the second one is convenience. So you want things to be doable. So this is kind of related to a realistic commitment, but one thing I talk about, and actually the pandemic helped with this was like, if it's a real pain for you to get to the gym, what else can you do? Can you walk outside? Can you run? Can you ride your bike? Can you develop a small home gym? Um, I used to have a lot of clients that traveled for work. The pandemic has changed that a little, but a lot of those clients, I had them buying like resistance bands and they're doing some basic stuff in a hotel room before they wake up. So We have a commitment in terms of number of days. We also need to make sure that it's going to work with our routine because if we're trying to do something that's like way out of our way or out of our comfort zone right away, we're probably not going to stick with it. 
Third one is connection, like I talked about. And then the fourth one is is compassion, as in self-compassion. So we tend to be really hard on ourselves when we don't live up to whatever expectation or we're not where we would like to be in terms of our, you know, our professional goals, our body goals, our life, whatever. And that really wears you down. It again, makes you less motivated to show up because you start to think, well, I can just never do this. Like I'm not this type of person. And if you can take a kinder mindset and recognize that, yes, I may have struggled in the past, but that doesn't mean I can't make changes in the future. If I make a small mistake, it's not the end of the world. Like all of that kind of self-talk also helps you stay consistent because you believe in yourself and it's not such a like brutal, like negative self-talk fueled thing to go work out. It's something that you're working on and that you're doing because it makes you feel good. And that tends to spiral in a positive direction. So commitment, uh, convenience, connection, compassion. Those are the four C's. Yeah. I think the compassion, I mean, all of them are helpful. And I think about convenience, like that's like, it's like a really practical thing, but the compassion one, cause that touches on the mindset and your yeah. beliefs about yourself and you know, how you see yourself. And it's like, that's a huge one. Cause we spend so much of our day putting ourselves down. Like you said, like, I'm not as far as I should be. And it's that self-talk, like yep. that self-talk changes the actions you take and then it changes your outcome. Yeah. In some ways that's really the crucial piece because it's true that some people don't have the knowledge or the skills they need to get where they want to go, but that can be built. But if you don't believe that you can do it or that you're worthy of doing it, like you won't even try and you will just continue to feel worse and worse about yourself. And then you don't even have the opportunity to build those skills. So you, you don't have to think like you're the best person ever. You don't have to be completely in love with yourself. Like you can be struggling, but you have to at least believe like you're capable of change and that your mistakes are just part of the process. And that allows you to keep going and keep showing up. What is the thing? So, okay. So you have like this system, the four C's and that was like a solution that you came up with. I'm guessing you had to come up with this because it was a solution to a problem that either you were having or you were seeing clients having. So like what prompted that? Like, So I was thinking about the biggest problems or questions that I hear from clients. I had already been working with clients for like years when I created it and really a big one of people of all levels because of the type of person that I work with, which is like a a person that's really creative and motivated and often like a high achiever at work. Um, they struggle to stay motivated with exercise and it's frustrating for them because they were able to do like a lot of other things. Well, you know, it's not that they were, I mean, some people are struggling in everything, I suppose, especially during the pandemic, but most people it's like, I'm really good at this one thing. Like, why can't I work out? I know I want to do it. Um, And again, that fuels that like negative self-talk that keeps them stuck. But yeah, I was just thinking like, what's a big problem that's faced by a lot of my clients. And that was like almost universal. Everybody struggles with motivation to exercise at some point. Yeah. Um, So when it comes to like the compassion stuff and the mindset and the self-talk, what helped you develop that, like knowing that you needed to make that switch there? So it's definitely still a work in progress. Um, One thing that's helpful for me is just having close relationships with like my own coaches. Um, I remember, I don't remember the year it was, it was years ago. Now I was first working with a coach. I had been like dieting and I'd made a lot of progress. You know, I was looking, feeling good. And then I went to Thanksgiving with my family, which is always both a fun and like a stressful time just historically. Mm-hmm. And I like really, really overate. And I, you know, I felt terrible. Like I felt 
physically terrible. And then later when the weekend was over, I felt all this surge of like guilt and regret and shame. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've totally negated all my progress and like everything is ruined. And I remember talk, coming to the coach with that, like feeling comfortable to do that. And like, we had a really honest conversation about like the way that I was treating myself and talking to myself wasn't helpful. And I was just missing the big picture. And he kind of like helped me come back to earth. And like that experience sticks out as like, having someone else that you trust that can kind of give you some perspective. That was really helpful for me. And then I take that forward. So when I notice myself now catastrophizing and self-blaming and doing all this stuff, I try to remember that. And I try to remember that things always work out one way or another. And that with, we tend to think of getting in shape, even if you don't have a weight loss goal of just getting to a certain level of fitness is like a linear thing. You like get to the place and you arrive and you like stay there, but really it's a journey with ups and downs, depending on what's going on in your life and where your priorities are. And maybe issues come up with your health that are unrelated. So you can always keep going. You can always get, you know, maybe not back to the like apex of your performance. You know, for example, if you were a college athlete, you're probably never going to be that in that good of shape again, but you can still make progress and you can still get to like a better, more elevated version of yourself. So when you feel like you backslid and like everything's erased, <laughs> that's not true. You're just continuing to move forward and there's always opportunities for you to like get more disciplined or get more devoted or just improve in the ways that you can. So I try to remind myself of that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. No, that what you said, I think you might have made a post recently about catastrophizing. Did I say that? Yeah. Yeah. After the July 4th weekend. I that okay, first of all, that word is really hard for me to say. So anyway, it's a mouthful. But um no, it's uh so I read a lot about CBT. I think we've talked about this, but cognitive behavioral therapy, and there are like a big giant list of like cognitive distortions. And I feel like when we can like sit there and be like, Oh, here's what I'm doing. I'm catastrophizing this. I'm it's, this is black and white thinking. This is all or nothing thinking. And it's like, you can put that label on the thinking. It kind of like separates you and you're like, okay, like I'm doing that thing again. Um, also this is normal. I'm like, I'm not the only person that does this. We all do this, but it like, it separates you from it and you can kind of be more, rational about things and like noting like what to do to move forward from it yeah have you heard the analogy of the elephant and the writer about the Mm -hmm. brain before Mm -hmm. um so there's essentially like there's a theory that was popularized uh by uh daniel kahneman and amos Tversky, and they they wrote a really famous book called thinking fast and slow but basically we have two parts of the brain there's the logical rational you know like front pre prefrontal cortex part of the brain that like makes decisions and analyzes facts and stuff and then there's the emotional part of our brain which is where we make most of our decisions because there's so much information coming at us at like millions and billions of bits of information that our brain needs frameworks and things to just default to to get through the day and the rational logical part of the brain is like a writer riding a giant elephant which is the emotional part and the writer can try to control the elephant but like at some points the elephant is just going to do whatever it wants basically and so i think learning about that more about the brain and understanding that like we tend to default to like you said these cognitive distortions or just like these really like deep emotional reactions to things. It also gives us a little bit of compassion because it's like, oh, this is just the way like the human brain works. And then we can step back into the logical brain. We can say, okay, I can't stop necessarily these things from happening. I can't stop my emotions from 
being, you know, overwhelming, but I can maybe choose how I react to them or I can change my environment so that I'm guided in a better direction. And it just gives you a little bit more power. And also, like I said, you don't feel like something's wrong with you because it's just the way that the brain works. It's for me, that's been very helpful to like learn about and think about. Yes, definitely. And I think that like coming back to, so I was just listening to Brene Brown and the, what you said, like thinking that there's something wrong with you. It's like, that is, um, Brene Brown was talking about like what her default beliefs are. And she's like, that I'm not enough. And I was like, my default is there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Everyone else has like everything figured out and there's something wrong with me. And it's like, when I can step back and be like, no, you're just doing that thing again. Like, that's all this is. You're coming, you're arriving to this conclusion that you always arrive to, but it's not actually true. And, right. and also knowing that like a lot of other people will arrive to that conclusion as well. Yeah. We think that we're alone in these things, but really it's like so common. Um, we all share these common human flaws and uh, mental traps and whatever you want to call them. But we, that doesn't have to like define ultimately the course of our life that we take we have we have more power to like step out of that or to change our reaction to it like you're talking about recognizing those distortions and then choosing to react in a different way Um, that can be learned yeah definitely since you've learned more about the brain and these and like cognitive distortions and you know being able to separate yourself or like change your actions what have you been able to change in your life because of that like how have things changed for you what are you able to do now so that's a good question. Um, like I said, definitely a work in progress. Um, I've, I've been realizing a lot lately, um, and this is something that I've sort of fallen into because of choices that I made, but I am very sensitive to like discomfort. So being hungry, being bored, uh, feeling tired, like all of that stuff. Uh, it's important to pay attention to those things, but sometimes like I find myself getting hijacked by them and thinking that I can't work or I can't exercise or, you know, I need to, to eat when I, I'm not really like needing to or not, you know, it's not meal time yet or whatever. Um, and I, when I can step back and say, okay, I'm fine. Like everything is okay. I'm just cold or I'm just tired. I'm just hungry. It's not an emergency that helps me like, okay, I can, I'm decided that at this time I'm doing this thing for work and like, yes, I really don't want to do it, but I already decided like, this is what makes sense. Like it needs to get done. I'm going to do it, you know, and then I'm going to tend to whatever needs or like, I don't feel like working out. I'm tired, but objectively I've gotten plenty of sleep. I'm not sick. There's no reason for me not to work out. I just feel uncomfortable. And so when I can recognize that and say that, yes, this is, this sucks. I don't want to feel this way, but I don't need to change, like to act in a, like I've made decisions that are going to move me toward my goals and I can still take those actions even when I'm uncomfortable. Like that's been something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Yeah, I like that. I think it recently, I've said this a lot, every morning, every single morning when I wake up, I do not want to walk and I do not want to go for a run. Like every morning. And then I'm like, "Mm, just because you don't want to doesn't mean that you're not going to. Like you still need to go. Because I also know if I don't go, then there's pain and like later on. So it's like, yeah, it kind of sucks right now, but just go and three minutes into it, you will be fine. I've also heard people several people talk about this idea of like you're choosing something that in the moment yeah in the short term is uncomfortable but in the long term you'll feel proud of yourself you'll feel like physically better like you'll feel more energized um versus choosing the easy thing in the moment which would be for you not going for a walk or for me like not doing my work not working out but then later you feel ashamed like you feel stuck you feel frustrated so choosing the difficulty front loading it 
versus getting more difficulty later ultimately will lead you in a better direction and you'll feel better. So a lot of these things, like you may never (laughs) like wake up every morning and feel like you're going to walk. And honestly, like expecting to get to that point is holding people back probably. But if you can say, okay, I don't want to do it, but I decided that I'm going to do it anyway, unless I have a really, really good reason. Um, You do it. And I'm guessing that like you feel good and you feel proud of yourself. And like that will also make it easier. Even if the discomfort or the not wanting to do it ever totally goes away, you say, okay, I know I can do it anyway. And you build again, that show of evidence over time. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it kind of like just becomes easier because of the reps. Like when I hear the voice, like, but I don't want to go. It's like, yeah, but you said that yesterday and you went and it was fine, but like, just keep following through it through with the reps. And like you said, that voice may never go away. I may never actually want to go for a run, but I'm still going to do it because it's like, it's like being a parent for myself. It's this little kid voice. I don't want to like, that's my natural thing. I don't want to do anything. I just want to lay in bed. I feel that, (laughs) but like, I have to be that parent for myself. Otherwise I will lay in bed and not move ahead in anything in life. Yeah. And that doesn't feel good either. No, like it's a different kind of difficulty, but it's, it's worse, honestly, in some ways, because it's like a deeper, like soul wrenching thing where you're, you're just like not doing anything. And like, that's not really how people feel their best, feel best when they're moving forward and they're striving and they're doing things that are like appropriately challenging and meaningful, even though a lot of times those things aren't fun on the nitty gritty level. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about with boredom, that was like a big thing, especially with social media, especially over the last year. I mean, I know I, we've talked about like, like I hate social media. I hate our phones. <laughs> I would love to go back to the days of having a flip phone, but with GPS. So I don't get lost. Cause I've gotten lost. Caroline and I walk like every week, the same spot. And there's been times that I've gotten lost on the way there anyways, but like with the boredom and it comes to, like in our phones, it's like, there are some times where I'll be bored for a millisecond and I'm like, oh, you should grab your phone and like go and like see what people are up to. And it's like, or you could just sit here and be bored for like 30 seconds. Like you could, you can withstand that boredom. Like this is an emergency that you need to be entertained every second of your life. Yeah. That's a big weakness of mine <laughs> in terms of different kinds of discomforts that I'm working on. That is one that I definitely struggle with the most. I'm all, I find myself always reaching for my phone. Um, when I could just sit there and do nothing, or I could pick up a book, which I, I do sometimes, but, um, yeah, I feel very uncomfortable with boredom and uh, I would like to work on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that you're alone. I think that we're all, I think that we're just, it's just so we're, we're so accustomed to it. Like, and it's just more and more, but I think the other thing too, is like, it's not going away. Like technology and our phones are not going away. So it's like, okay, well, how can I figure out a way to live with this? I kind of see it the same thing as sugar, like, okay. Um, sugar's here. Cookies are here. How are you going to live amongst live with cookies? Um, and figure out how to live with them instead of pretending that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. I work with all my clients, like maybe in the, in the short immediate term, it's best for people to take it out of the house, but long-term we have to figure out like, how can I eat a cookie and not like eat 10, you know, is what you talk about a lot and not eat 10, 10 cookies or not let one cookie fuel me into like a whole spiral of overeating. Um, so yeah, we have to just get comfortable with these, like the discomfort and like our brain talking to us. And we also have to learn to like navigate our environment, which is challenging in the modern world. There's lots of like shiny objects and tasty foods and all kinds of things that um, 
are designed to appeal to us on like a really deep level. So uh, like you said, it's not going away. So how are we going to work on our behavior and our responses so that we can thrive in that environment? Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that too. Cause it's like, again, going back to people think that there's some thinking that there's something wrong with them for not having enough willpower, but it's like, no, all of these things are designed. Like they know what they're doing. And when they make like high calorie, high sugar, oil, salt, like they know what they're doing when they're making those foods and like what pleasure points that they're hitting and why, like everyone wants to like, why wouldn't you want to eat something that's salty and oily? It's delicious. It's, but yeah. Yeah. People, that's literally their job. They're scientists. This job is to make the food as desirable as possible to make it as difficult to stop eating as possible. So I think thinking about that is helpful in terms of feeling less alone that these foods have a lot of power over us. Mm -hmm. They're built that way. (laughs) Yeah. What things, so um, a big shift that I made with my, with the podcast and my website since last April was talking more about systems for self-care, that we need these systems in place. We talked a little bit about what movement looks like for you. So like the morning walk or biking, lifting at home, different things. When it comes to meals and like healthy eating, what things have you kind of implemented this past year or before that really help you take care of yourself? So to be honest, I haven't made so many changes in the last year because I've been doing what I've been doing for so long, but I've discovered over the years that using like a handful of what I call meal templates, I didn't make that up, but, uh, these are, it's like a framework for a meal. So this, you make it, it's the same like preparation every time, but you can change the ingredients. So a good example is that I eat a lot of salads and every time you make a salad, it's the same. You're cutting the lettuce and you're putting the protein and the dressing and the veggies, but I can make a salad. That's more of like a, like a Southwestern flavor with like chili chicken and like lime juice and cilantro. And I could also make a salad that's a little sweeter, like with salmon and um, strawberries and things like that. So I like doing that because it makes my life easy. I know that like the base ingredients of the meals I eat are the same. So when I go to the store, I'm always buying like mostly the same stuff. But if I'm not feeling a particular flavor one day, it's really easy for me to change it. So for me, eating kind of the same handful of meals with the option to diversify them enough, that is works really well for me. It's easy to shop for. It's easy to cook. And it, it has enough variety to keep me engaged. And then typically my boyfriend and I eat different meals for dinner. But even then we have maybe like 10, 15 tops meals that we eat. And mostly they're similar. It's like we grill a steak or we're grilling pork chops or we're grilling chicken. Like we're baking fish. It's, it's simple, but we just pick different stuff at the store. So I personally, and the kind, I don't need like tons of variety. I know some people maybe think that they need more, but for me, the repetition, the simplicity and like just enough flexibility to like use up stuff in the fridge or change the flavors that works really well for me. And then I don't have to think about food as much. Yeah, no, it's, it's the exact same principles that I teach with the five (laughs) keys. And, but I think that you hit, you know, going back to what we were talking about, but with uh, boredom, it's like people think that they need all of this variety, but all that that does is make them think about food more. And they're never actually satisfied when they have variety either. Like they're not. Yeah, I think variety is a slippery slope. Um, And if you have 
goals that are related to weight loss or to like really getting a handle on your eating, I do think that getting comfortable with a little less variety is a really important skill to have because food becomes less of this like huge stimulating thing. Not that it shouldn't be, not that you shouldn't enjoy your food, but like when every meal is like a gourmet meal and it's like really like sensory overloading, like that tends to steer us more into like bad choices and overeating and stuff. And it just, it makes it harder to like create good routines. So you should eat food that tastes good and that you like, but like, I do think there's something to be said for like, especially during the week when you're just working and you're not doing anything interesting, um, eating meals that are a little more simple and maybe a little more repeatable from day to day. That's just my two cents. Yeah. You know, and it kind of goes back to the like with modern society, like we think we need all of this variety and that's going to make us happier. But I, like, I look back to times that I spent like hours and hours on Pinterest looking at, like you said, really gourmet meals. And it's like, this isn't easy. I'm not able to actually stick with making any of these foods. And sometimes you make something and it's like, wow, I just spent all of this money (laughs) on these ingredients and I'm never going to use these spices again. Like, it's just not, not something you can be like consistent with. It's not something sustainable. Um, and you're just constantly thinking about food and yeah. Yeah. If you really love to cook, like that's, it's different. Um, if that's like your fun thing to do, but like most people are not like that. (laughs) Most people are looking for ease, um, and simplicity and what it needs to taste good to make them feel good with minimal amount of effort. And that's a lot of the like cooking and nutrition coaching that I do with my clients is simple, easy, repeatable, satisfying, basically. Yeah. I like that. Will you say, what is it? Simple. I just said, I just made up off the top of my head, but yeah, simple, (laughs) um, simple, easy, repeatable, and satisfying. That's what I said. Those are good. Yeah. I think about that too. Um, with, I mean, like all of these things are related. Like we think that they're separate, but I think about like food and I also think about clothes. This is something I always heard about like Mark Zuckerberg and he's like, he wears the same shirt every day. Yeah. Steve Jobs did too, supposedly. And I'm kind of like moving towards that too. Cause I, I hate clothes. Like maybe people love fashion, but I, I hate clothes. I hate having to think about what I'm going to wear every day. And the truth is like, it never turns out. And I've looked at like programs, like here's how to look at lines and designs and match things. And I'm like, it never turns out. So it's like, I'm kind of becoming a Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. Like I'm just wearing a black shirt. Just, I'm just wearing a black shirt and went to a wedding this past week and then wore a dress that I've worn to wore to our rehearsal dinner or to another friend's rehearsal dinner. And I wore it to a, a wedding. Like, I'm just like, I want it to be just simple. So I'm not thinking about this stuff constantly and it just like taking power over my whole life. Yeah. That's one benefit of working in a gym is I get to wear like a t-shirt and shorts and sweatpants. It's like the big joke, you know, the fitness industry, but yeah, I think like there's a bigger lesson to that. And that's that there are so many things that you could focus on and like make decisions about like there's literally endless things in your day, especially like I can't even imagine like the parents out there and like the stuff that they have to deal with. But like some you just can't do everything like we are inherently limited beings. And so you might need to take a look at like where you're putting your energy and say like this thing isn't that important to me and like therefore it doesn't matter. So yeah, for example, like maybe you hate cleaning and like maybe you just don't clean like, you know, bottom line or maybe if you have the means you hire someone to clean for you. Um, or yeah, with you or me too, I'm the same way. Like, I really don't care that much about clothes. Like I, I rarely buy clothes. Like the clothes that I buy are like practical stuff that like, you know, I need to replace, but I, I don't really spend a lot of time or money shopping. I spend my time and money doing other things that are more important to me. So 
there's definitely like when you're setting up systems and you're thinking about like taking care of yourself, like you have to prioritize things because you can't do everything. Like you will literally drive yourself into the ground if you try that. So, and sometimes the things that are important to you might not be what your parents or like society or like your friends think is important to you. And like, you have to be an adult kind of and say, I just don't care about these things. You know, this is what's important to me. So yeah, not al- not always easy to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I see it as kind of like joy of missing out on all of those stressful things. Like I'm, I'm not spending my attention and my time and my energy on those things so that I can go do other things. One of the things that I love about when I get to talk to you, you're like, oh, we went on this trip. Oh, we went here. And I was like, oh, like that just sounds so great. Like, but again, that like, okay, cool. Let's not spend time on these stupid things, but like going and exploring the world. And I don't know. I think that that's it's probably why I connect with you well. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what she's doing is really cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, to me, I've always loved to travel and like lately, especially with the pandemic, I've reconnected with my love of being like out in nature. I used, that was like my whole childhood. And when we couldn't do anything else, you know, that's what we've been doing. And I've been learning to fish and doing this stuff. And like, that's where I like to spend my time and money. And then like, I, I don't, buy, I don't buy a lot of clothes or I don't, there's plenty of other things that, that are totally valid, but I just, they're not important to me. And so I don't think about them and I don't spend my money there. And then I, I do, um, I I'm sure you're familiar with Ramit Sati he has this concept of like living your rich life where it's like you, yes, you have, you have control of like your time and your energy and your, your money. And that's always a work in progress, but like there should be areas of your life where like, this is really important to me. And this has a big dividend and that's where I spend my time and my money. And like, I don't feel guilty about that. Like the, having the ability to do that either because you've, you know, you have the resources, which I understand not everybody does, but also because you've like made those decisions and prioritize that for yourself. Like that's a really rewarding way to live life, I think. And I'm still working on it, but uh, that's kind of the way that I think about this stuff. No, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so as you look in the, if you look over the last year, um, and the ups and the downs, what's something that maybe you learned something that being at home or the pandemic or quarantine has taught you about life that you just kind of want to remember or share? That's a good question. I think the big one for me is that like, I need to take more time for myself. Um, I tend to be kind of like, go, go, go and taking time to like slow down um, or do things that like don't have a purpose, like ostensibly they're not like to achieve a career goal or like do something. They're just for fun. Um, Whether, you know, walking outside or reading or things like that. I need those in my life because otherwise I just get so run down and I like lose track of why I'm doing, why am I working so hard? Like if I feel miserable, you know? And so I've been working to like create and change my work environment and my life so that like, I'm doing those things and I'm trying to do them on a daily basis or I'm trying to make time for them because otherwise like why, you know, why am I working so hard again? If I am always run down and I never have any time to like to relax and slow down. And um, I think I need that more than I realized. And the pandemic showed me that when everything was shut down and I had no other options, but to do that kind of stuff. So thinking about that a lot still. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said. And you touched on this about a bunch like, this is work in progress. <laughs> this is work. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want anyone to think that I like have my shit together like a hundred percent. Cause that's definitely not true. But I mean, that's, that's everybody, like everything is always working. And that's like part of the fun of life. Right. It's like a, like an unwinding, um, you're just like making, making it up as you go in a way. And like, as you go on stuff starts to fit together and you start to have more experiences and context. And, um, I think that's really, helpful way to view things instead of thinking that you like are supposed to get to a place and arrive 
uh, cause that never happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. I remember being little and thinking like my mom had everything figured out. And then like you get to your mom's age, you're like, oh, no one has anything. Like yeah. <laughs> the adults know, the adults know. And you're like, well, shoot, I'm an adult now. And turns out no one knows. And yeah. we're all just making it up as we go. Terrifying. Yeah. And I feel that way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where is the best place that people can connect with you? I know you have some online, you are an online coach in addition to working in person. What's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah. So, um, I am a hybrid trainer, so I coach people in person in Chicago. And then I also do online coaching, um, group coaching and things like that for people all over the world, but, uh, relevant to our conversation, if people want to learn more about the four C system, I have a free five day email course, uh, each day there's an introduction day. And then each day talking about each of the C's more in depth and giving some stories and examples, you can download that or sign up for that at my website, which is Caroline Juster Fitness. So I'm sure it'll be in the description of the podcast. So just my name, fitness.com slash 4C system, no dashes or anything. Caroline Juster Fitness slash 4C system. Awesome. Yep. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great to talk. Mm-hmm.